Hi everyone. Uh, so it looks like we are live. It's Olga Zarechna from SEO Sly. Uh, today I have Jason Barnard with me. So together we are hosting my first live in my the first live in my life. <laughs> so hey. hi J Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Um, it, this is great. I'm I'm terribly pleased and proud to be the first live in your life. Uh, so far, yeah. so good. I would say. Yeah, so far it's going going very nice. Okay, so today we are here to answer all the questions around knowledge panels. So you can you can submit your questions here in the in the live chat. If you don't submit the questions, then I'm going to use that time for myself because I have a lot of questions for for Jason. So if you if you don't do it, I will I will be like I will use the entire hour for just just for myself. So okay, so I will start with with my question. So last time we talked, um, my knowledge panel looked like I had like the section taken from I think the edge of the web radio um, describing myself. Right. I checked like today I think, and uh, this section has disappeared. And right. What happened? Can you tell me what happened? Yes, I can, and this is this is a hugely common problem. Uh -huh. uh, is when we talked last time, I was talking about knowledge panel sprouts, and they grow into these blossoming knowledge panels that are beautiful with lots of information in them. And what Google does is it puts information into the knowledge panel, sees how people react, takes it away again. So what you will see in the first year of your knowledge panel is information appearing and disappearing. Uh, oh. The description will typically change over time. Uh, it started with Erin Sparks' Edge of the Web. It could then move to Search Engine Journal. It will take a description from places that it feels are highly relevant. LinkedIn is a very common one as well. And obviously, the ultimate aim is to get the description from, from your own website. And when you get that, it means Google trusts you to provide it with information about yourself. OK, OK. So, but I think I have made some, some progress because some time ago, I think my LinkedIn profile was like the first thing to rank on top, not my like website. Right. I think yeah. now my website, my about page is like on top and LinkedIn has been pushed down, I think, for position four or even lower. So I think I am kind of getting there, but still, yes. but still Google is not, not showing like my, uh, my own website, like the, the snippet from my own website. So. So I have to like keep. Uh, I think you suggested last time that I should, that I should uh, make the description of myself more clear on my about page, and I did that. I removed all the fluff I had at the start because at the start I was talking about that uh, SEO Sly is a website about this. Uh, the purpose of this website is to show you, is to teach you SEO stuff like that. So I removed like all of that, and I simply started with. My name is Olga Zadechna. I am an SEO consultant, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And maybe this was something that, that, that helped, but, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, the page that, that I see now is, is clear about who you are. Um, you've talked a lot in the third person, which is kind of strange and difficult, but Google uh -huh. means that it, it struggles with the first person. So if you say, I am this, I am that, it struggles a great deal. You need to mention the full name at least once. And then it will start to understand that every time you say uh, 
she or he, it will recognize who you're talking about. It will also start to associate you with different words. For example, um, in my case, Jason Barnard is co-founder and CEO of CaddyCube. It's starting to recognize the, the, the founder, but it also recognizes much further down musician and it recognizes that it's the same uh -huh. person. So you can give Google credit for understanding as it goes through text, who you're referring to as you go through the text. Um, I found that when I speak in the third person, Google tends to understand better. So my uh -huh. site starts with a whole pre presentation at the top. The first chunk is third person. And then I've written underneath, I'm really sorry to everybody, this isn't the third person, but it's the only way I can get Google to understand. And then I continue in the first person. Uh-huh. Because, yes, because I what, what, I, what I think I can do is I can write in the third, third person and then have a section where I simply, like, add a quote when I'm talking like myself. Yeah. So this yeah. can be, this can work. And here we can see a comment. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm not sure if I can pronounce your name correctly, but uh, it looks like for someone my my um, my name is like a LinkedIn LinkedIn profile is shown on top. So maybe right. it was like how how about you, Jason? No, I see your about page now. We 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 can look into that yeah. because first of all, generally speaking, Google would rank the home page, but the home page. I would argue it's looking at that as your company. So it's looking for the about page about you. And Google have said that explicitly they're looking for an about page in order to show that if they can. So uh, SEO Sly, which I now know is SEO Sly and not SEO Sly. If you type that, SEO Sly, that comes out top with yes. some lovely um, rich site links. And then if you search your name, your about page comes up. Now, if you had a personal website, that would probably outrank it quite easily. Uh, it would take two or three months, but it would probably end up at the top. Um, uh -huh. So you've done a really good job in the sense that you've got a company website with an about page, which is about you, and Google has recognized that, which indicates that your technical SEO is spot on, which is lucky because that's your job. Um, and that is hugely important, that fundamental basis, as you know, in SEO. If Google can crawl, understand, and index your pages correctly, you're going to perform much better. And it's exactly the same for this with some basic technical SEO. You've got the structure of the site. You've got the page understood. And Google understands that that page is about you and the home page is about your company. And then if we look at the, um, the question there would be, why are the results in my location different to your location? Uh, if I search in um, France, uh, you come out on top. If I search in San Francisco, you come out in top. If I now change location to, let, let's try Delhi mm -hmm. in India. Um, no, you still come out on top. Uh, let's try, I mean, I just try different places. It might also depend on the language. I mean, if I switch to, let's try London and switch languages, because we had a, a conversation about this. You helped me with a, a Polish version of my about yeah. page. And if I switch to, uh, let's try German to have a look at that. Yeah, if I look search in German, I get images at the top. What I can do actually is if you can let me share my screen, because it will make more sense. Yeah, great idea. You can see this? Yes. Right. This is uh, Olga Zarecna. Is that the way, right way to say it? Almost. Olga Zarecna. Zarecna. Oh, dear. Yeah. Right. Okay. Almost perfect. 
This is in German in London. And we can see your images at the top, then the Twitter, then your about page. Um, It doesn't have anything in German. So its priorities are very different. Um, If I look now in French, you come out on top Mm -hmm. uh, with the Twitter below and no articles. But there is no knowledge panel. And there's no knowledge panel. Very good point which is actually the topic for today. So I should have made that yeah, point. Yeah, what happens to my knowledge panel? Well, I started to, yeah, here it is. Uh, in the, in, well, and here you've got these articles, which is brilliant. So uh-huh. this, this is more about brand search, but this is starting to look very rich. Google's saying, okay, we know who Olga is. Here's who she is. This is her Twitter account. So we'll show that because her audience is obviously interested in Twitter. Uh, you're an author at, search engine journal this would potentially be a description that i would expect to see here at some point when google's doing its a b testing during that first year linkedin is also a great candidate for the description here then we've got some images and edge of the web radio this is where it got the description from last time we saw it Uh, the description will only appear if the page is ranking so you need to get a page Uh to rank here if you want to hope to have it as a description in your knowledge panel And we've got the articles, and I think these articles are incredibly important in the sense that Google recognizes that your audience are interested in what you're writing about, and it recognizes that you're writing on these incredibly authoritative and trustworthy sources, or source, search engine journal. And that, if you're thinking about EAT, is going to be hugely, hugely impressive for Google. It's saying these articles are on an authoritative website. I recognize that not only is Olga an expert, and authoritative on her topics, but she's being recognized by her peers as being an expert and authoritative and is therefore going to get huge EAT boosts. Obviously, we can't measure it. But that idea of, uh, for me, EAT is all about uh, trustworthiness is being recognized by your clients, your audience. Authoritativeness is about being recognized by your peers. So this is authoritativeness for me. And then expertise is covering your topic and sticking on topic, which is what you've done within here and within here. And that would that would be how I would break down EAT, okay. which is totally off topic. <laughs> but it's kind of related, I would say, very closely to knowledge panels. So, Yes. I mean, if you look at EAT, whatever the signals are, however Google measures it doesn't actually matter so much as if it's understood explicitly who you are, which it has here, then it can apply all of its EAT signals fully. If it's mm-hmm. guessing at who you are, i.e. you don't have a knowledge panel, you're not in the knowledge graph, then it's, it's guessing, so it's de- nef- uh, sorry, necessarily going to dampen those signals. So if you want your EAT signals that you work so hard to get, the trustworthiness as demonstrated by appreciation from your audience, the authoritativeness as demonstrated by agreement and, and support from your peers and expertise by talking about your topic extensively and fully and accurately. To get those signals fully applied, you need to have a knowledge panel. You need to be in the knowledge graph, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Okay, so it looks like we have the first question from Josh. So can schema data give Google a signal to create a knowledge panel? Yes. Um, Schema markup is super important in that it structures the information for Google, but it isn't the answer to all your problems. It isn't the magic bullet that a lot of people believe it to be. 
Google needs a clear description, which we talked about earlier on, and you will see that in the knowledge panel. It will show a description if it is clear. Uh, we also at CaliCube, we have CaliCube Pro, and we analyze the descriptions. We can understand using Google's NLP whether or not Google understands it. So we pay a lot of attention to the description because that's the foundation of Google's understanding. The schema markup re repeats that description in the schema markup itself, uh, confirms the information using the different attributes, and then expands on it with additional attributes. So the schema markup is simply you repeating what should already be in the page for the most part in a structured manner, and then pointing to all the different corroborative sources that repeat the information that you've already given. Now, the thing about schema markup is you don't actually need it. We had a, a client who didn't want to put schema markup on their page. They just put links to the different same as, the equivalent to same as, and it worked fine. They've got a great knowledge panel. They've done an amazing job. Oh, because that was supposed to be my next question. If oh, can sorry. I like have a knowledge panel without schema and so they simply put text links to those other places where they published, yeah? Yeah, okay. so, uh, and the, the advantage with the links is you can use the anchor text to amplify yeah. the signal, whereas with schema markup, you just have same as. So what this person did was simply link out to the different same as using a, a relevant anchor text and link back from the same as the social profiles, the country-based profile, using when they could the relevant anchor text saying mm -hmm. person's name site and then from there going person's name twitter linking out looking back okay um and that's actually perhaps not a stronger signal to google but certainly it has additional depth to it so if you don't want to do schema markup you don't have to do schema markup a clear description an entity home and corroboration that is consistent around the web will do the job absolutely fine if you're linking uh, and on CaliCube.pro, if you visit the site, you, you'll see we actually have a schema markup generator for free that will do oh. the, the basic schema markup. So you can actually, for me, there isn't really an excuse. It does help to do it. Okay. Okay. That's, that, that's really, really a great tip. Okay. It looks like we have another question from Daniel. Ooh, so if question. I have a Wikipedia page, will Google prefer it as a source? Thanks, yes. Daniel, for the question. It is. It, it's a great question because uh, Wikipedia used to be totally dominant. If you had any information on Wikipedia, Google would just pick it up and put it in the knowledge panel. And I experimented on that for years using my own Wikipedia page that then got deleted because I kept messing with it. Oh. But I could update my knowledge panel literally in minutes just by changing the Wiki Wikipedia page. Okay. And that is no longer true. Wikipedia uh -huh. is what we call at CaliCube a dominant knowledge source. So it's a knowledge source that Google trusts. Google's been trained to trust Wikipedia. So if you have a Wikipedia article, it is likely that Google will believe the information. However, it doesn't now necessarily take the information from there. And an example I found the other day was Yoast's logo uh -huh. in the knowledge panel. Although the logo was in Wikimedia, and on the Wikipedia page, it didn't use the, the logo from Wikimedia, it used the logo from their own site. So okay. it's important to remember that it's dominant, but it isn't absolute dominance for the different pieces of information, although it used to be. One thing we've seen, and this is back to the descriptions, is if you have a Wikipedia page or a Google Books, the description from there will dominate. The description 
from Wikipedia will pretty much 100% get that place in, in the knowledge panel. So if you want to get your own description, you need to not have a Wikipedia page or a Google book. Okay. But a month ago, we managed the trick of overriding that, and we replaced um, a description in a knowledge panel from Google Books for an author with their own website for a week. So uh -huh. what seems to be happening is Google is saying to them, or the machine is learning, or the engineers have pointed out to Google, you don't always have to use these absolute dominant sources for the description. You can find something better. And it's being given that opportunity. It's opportunity. It's being given that freedom. So my right now, you can't override Google Books or Wikipedia except temporarily like we managed to do, I would guess in six months' time it's going to become increasingly common. But it's going to be hugely difficult because Wikipedia and Google Books are dominant knowledge sources. Okay. And can you tell me a little bit more about your messing with your Wikipedia page? <laughs> um, the Wikipedia page was created by a friend of mine. Uh -huh. So it was already a little bit cheaty, but I am actually notable enough to have a Wikipedia page because I've released uh, four music albums as a folk punk musician. I did a TV TV series as a blue dog. Uh, these are these are notable. I was going to say achievements, but notable activities that deserve a Wikipedia page. Um, the reason they deleted it was because I'd messed with it too much, and the reason I was messing with it too much was because I wanted to understand what was happening. Um, and so it was deleted. And honestly, I felt um, what, what I, I felt quite upset. I felt underappreciated, or, uh -huh. or and your ego kicks in because Wikipedia, some of it is about ego. And so it was deleted. My ego took a, a bit of a hit. So I yeah. sulked for two days. <laughs> um, you know, we, we we have egos, and the idea that and then I thought the idea that Wikipedia admins and editors can judge me as a person, or I feel that I was judged, is quite pathetic on my part. Um, I can just sit and build it, build this up. It isn't up to them whether or not I deserve a knowledge panel and, a, um, and, and recognition for, for the blue dog and the, and the folk punk. And so I rebuilt the knowledge panel without Wikipedia. And that was a huge learning experience. And that started me two and a half years ago now figuring out with CaddyCube Pro how to build knowledge panels without Wikipedia. And when you build it without Wikipedia, you have control. You can make sure that the information in there is true. And if you use Wikipedia as a crutch, two things happen. One is if somebody deletes the Wikipedia page, your knowledge panel disappears. Uh -huh. And it's much more difficult to recreate a knowledge panel after a Wikipedia deletion. Same with Wikidata. The second thing is that you hand over control of your brand message or your personal brand message to Wikipedia editors who don't know who you are, don't know anything about you, and don't care about your personal brand message. And you have people like Rand Fishkin, for example, had to, had to fight to get his Wikipedia page deleted because the information was incorrect and they would not correct it. Uh -huh. So, so it's, it's a little bit like with trying to claim your knowledge panel and then... The person has, like, as you said, a few seconds to determine, decide whether you are notable enough to, to have your knowledge panel. So it's, yeah. it's a bit... And, and they, they can decide that what you're saying is untrue. 
and yeah. change it to anything they want, um, which 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 is problematic to say the least, because mm -hmm. it also allows for somebody who doesn't know anything about you to write anything they want about you and have that power to have it appear in Google, which is unfortunate. And the, uh, the second thing is that Wikipedia editors are humans. And so what they then did with my page is they thought, well, Jason Barnard has been messing with his page. We're going to delete every page related to him as well. So they deleted my rock group page and the Boo oh. Koala, Blue Dog and Yellow Koala cartoon for no good reason, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting about both of those pages is that the Barking Dogs knowledge panel became confused with other Barking Dogs. It, it created ambiguity that wasn't there before. Wikipedia has, does a great job of dealing with ambiguity because of the way it's structured. And with Buan Kuala, it gave me total freedom to create whatever I wanted. And I built the family tree, and it took me about a year. But without oh. Wikipedia, I could then build what I wanted to build and communicate what I wanted to communicate. And that struck me as being hugely powerful. Okay, okay. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, so Olgerd asks, uh, what are the core knowledge panel sources? Can you explain for me? Yeah, the core knowledge panel sources are, as the name suggests, the sources that Google is using at its core. So it's what the machine has been trained on. So you're looking at Wikipedia, Wikidata, Music Brains, uh, DBpedia, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, Crunchbase. These are mm -hmm. the, the, the core sources that the machine has been told either explicitly you can trust this Wikipedia, Wikidata, DBpedia, or IMBD, IMDB, sorry, or you can probably trust it, LinkedIn, Crutchbase, uh, and, and other sources like that. And these are the, the sources that create the core of the knowledge graph. I call it the trunk of the tree. So if you look oh. at the knowledge graph as a tree, these things are the trunk. Uh, Wikipedia, Wikidata is going to be the trunk. Then you add Crunchbase is a huge branch. And the machine has been told, you can probably trust this, but be careful. And then what we're doing at CaliCube is adding tiny twigs on. And so we're using uh -huh. CaliCube, the website, my own website, um, various other websites and websites of our clients, to add tiny twigs because the machine is now allowed to evaluate the veracity of information I'm giving because it's learned what truth and veracity look like on the core knowledge panel sources, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And there's a whole Thanks. lesson about this in the, in the knowledge panel course, um, which uh -huh. I finished recording about three months ago. And it was really interesting because as I went through it, I was thinking, what are the core knowledge panel sources? Oh. And then I went through and, and thought, do I think that or do I know that? And then I used the CaliCube Pro data set, which is... 500 million lines and about 10 billion data points to figure out is this true or is it not true? Am I, am I making, allowing my imagination to think this should be true? Uh -huh, yeah. Or can I prove it? And I went through, figured this out. We've got the data and numbers to indicate these core knowledge panel sources. Um, okay. And so Wikipedia, we were talking earlier on, will tend to dominate a knowledge panel. But it's important to remember and recognize that that domination is dwindling. It's still very strong. But over the next few years, Google cannot build knowledge panels at scale by relying purely on Wikipedia or any other human curated data source. OK. So it looks like we have another question from Michelle. 
Can you talk about the strategy behind choosing a target subtitle, pros and cons of going after a nationality, strategy behind choosing a profession when your client is author, speaker, activist? Right, that, that's, that's an interesting three, question. That, it is, it's three questions, which is yeah. cheating, Michelle. Um, the, the target subtitle, right now, it has to be a subtitle that the machine has been fed, has been given. It isn't making them up. So what we have at CaliCube, obviously, is a huge list of these subtitles, so we know what to aim for. We know what's possible. Um, and we have a thing called entity equivalence, which is basically the same entity type, same geo region, same industry. And if you give me 100 entity equivalents, so for you, Olga, it would be people who are SEOs um, in, you live in Poland or in Germany? Poland. Right. Let's say Europe, because otherwise we're probably going to be struggling. Uh -huh. um, and who are people, obviously. And we can then look at the knowledge panels and we can create you a list of A, the subtitles, but every other piece of information. So we template the knowledge panel and we can say, this is the, what a template for you looks like. A better example is we did it for an American footballer uh -huh. who wanted to remove a piece of information from the attributes. And what we did was we, put, we uh, added, I think it was about 80 American footballers to the, to the database. And then we just pulled it out and we looked at exactly what attributes it was using by which priority. And then we picked the one we wanted to aim for, which was salary. And then we added it to his website, corroborated about around the web, and we replaced the attribute he didn't want with the attribute he did want and that he controlled, which was his salary that he declared on his own website. So that's gone off topic. The pros and cons of going after a nationality, you don't have to worry about it. Google, three years ago, it was really keen to put nationalities on, and it was putting nationality on everybody's knowledge panel. It did it for about six months, then it stopped. So some people get nationality, some people don't. Uh, mm -hmm. My guess is over time, it's going to settle down. And when the name is ambiguous, it will put the uh, nationality to, dis to disambiguate for people. So make sure you're communicating in nationality, because that helps anyway with disambiguation. If you say Jason Barnard, South Africa, or the South African Jason Barnard, he's a footballer. If you say the Canadian Jason Barnard, he's an ice hockey player. If you say the American Jason Barnard, he's a university professor. So that nationality helps Google to disambiguate. But also as human beings, we tend to think like that. So I think Google's going to come back to it. But honestly, I think it's one of these lovely things where the engineers say to the machine, off you go. Go and have fun. It's, for me, it's this child who runs around having fun. Uh -huh. And it went mad putting on loads of nationalities on everything. And the engineers had to say, no, that's too much. And so they pulled it back. And I think they're going to let it go and have fun again uh, in, in six months or a year's time. So get your nationality. Make sure it's understood. Because when it does want to put it on, it will put it on. Might potentially put it on uh, Geo. Uh, this is my next bet, is if you're searching in Australia for Jason Barnard, it would probably put British because uh -huh. then they would know that I was from the other side of the world and not somebody living next door to them. So I'm betting the geo aspect would come. Whereas if you were searching in uh -huh. geo in Britain, it wouldn't bother saying British because you would imagine it would be. It does that for towns, interestingly enough. Uh -huh. uh, if you search for somebody's name and it says born in Manchester, let's say, if you're in the UK, it doesn't bother saying Manchester, England. But if you're in the US, it will say Manchester, comma, it England. It then does, yeah. Okay. So it's That's contextual. That knowledge panels are very flexible. 
very contextual, and their aim is to inform the user who's looking at it. So if you're in America, your needs are different. You need, you need, you need to know that it's Manchester, England, whereas uh -huh. if you're in the UK, you don't need to know Manchester, England if you're looking for the British Manchester, England person, whatever that might be. Um, sure. And then the last one, strategy behind choosing your profession. Human beings are multifaceted. We have multiple things that we do. We're recognized for multiple things. In this case, author, speaker, and activist. Human beings have problems with that. If you go for a job and you say, I'm an author, a speaker, and an activist, and you're applying for a job uh, uh, as an activist, they'll think, well, you can't do all three. People tend to like to be able to put you in kind of the little box. Google likes that too. But I think Google probably likes it partially because it can't really understand, but partly as well because that's what its human users are looking for. So you need to choose which is the primary focus. So if you say um, Michel Bourbonnier is an author, speaker, and activist, Google will focus on author. If you say Michel Bourbonnier is a speaker, an activist, and an author, it will focus on speaker. It's as simple as that. Okay. So I am an SEO, an SEO consultant, and Google says I'm the author. I, everywhere on the internet, I say I am an SEO consultant. I think the only place where, where it says I'm the author is Search Engine Journal. So I guess Google is trusting Search Engine Journal more than all those other sources. Am I correct? Yes. Um, there, there's a, hang on, let's find exactly what's written on your Search Engine Journal page. No, it's a, it, actually the, the description says Olga is an SEO consultant at SEO Sly. Seosly. Um, yeah, very different ways I, of pronouncing. I would suggest you could ask them to change the name and put your full name. Uh huh. I can. Uh, I think I can change it myself. Because hang on, I'll share my screen again. And 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 if we look at how Google. Oh, so you were looking at it. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. If, I, if, I added. If we look you. at the structure, this is an aside in semantic HTML5. It might not be tagged as such, but it, it is. I mean, if we look here, um, it's in the main. This is a div. This is a div. It's a section within a div. This, I would say, is an implicit aside. That should actually be a side. Uh -huh. So I don't give anybody lessons about this. But um, And that would clearly indicate to Google that this is not necessary for this main content. It's okay. additional content. And I, I fully advise everybody to dig into it, semantic HTML5. I've written a couple of articles about it. It's hugely important. Um, Fabrice Canal from Bing has confirmed, and he's, he's the guy who builds BingBot, has said HTML, semantic HTML5 is hugely important to the bot. Um, use it as much as you possibly can. Or, sorry, not as much, as, as, as intelligently as you possibly can. But then it's looking at this and it's saying, well, that's my main content. This is okay. supplementary content. So uh, Gary Hirsch talks a lot about the centerpiece content. This is, that's all you have for centerpiece content. So I would advise you to do a couple of things. This would be better if the H1, I'm betting that's an H1. No, it's an H2. So yeah. that should be an H1. And it should be about Olga Zarexna, excuse me. Um, and ideally, this would start with your full name. And I'm not going to try okay. and say it again. This part, I think I can edit, yeah. And this is your semantic triple. Yeah. So it's the person, the verb, the object, subject, verb, object. 
Um, that's hugely powerful. I would also advise you to write more because this isn't enough to get enough context. That's your centerpiece content. It needs to be longer. So 200 words minimum. Okay. In order for Google to be able to get a grip, because if I copy-pasted that into the CaliCube uh, NLP ana analysis, which I can do. It would uh, probably. Well, it won't understand. Yeah. And, and this, what, what Google will have done, it will have gone to that page. It will have identified the centerpiece content. It will try to understand what the centerpiece content is talking about. And it won't have, it won't have understood. Um, hold on. Jason, luckily you can't see my password. We'll edit this out. <laughs> Oh, no, you, well, you can't once it's live, so uh, you're stuck. But, oh, um, you're right. <laughs> Forgot it's live. There you go. It, it's understood SEO. That's all it's understood in that entire text. Oh. But it's yes. understood it's about a person called Olga. Now, if you okay. added... Hang on. Let, let, let's find your full name so that I can not get it wrong. And then we analyze it. We will see. There you go. It's recognized you right off the bat. Oh. Okay. So it's as and simple as that. Changing that. Right. Um, and it, I mean, it, it, it's done an okay job. Um, it, it could have done better. Um, and with more text, it would do better. Mm -hmm. So okay. here, it doesn't say you're an author. It actually says you're an SEO consultant. So that isn't your problem. Your problem is more along the lines of this here. Um, which is that it's seen the article, so it's considering you to be an author. Mm -hmm. And this is what's it's something you can you can overcome because what it's done is guessed. It's seen that you're an author on Search Engine Journal. Search Engine Journal is very powerful, very authoritative. So it's saying, okay, she must be an author. I'm sure of that, and I think people underestimate that aspect of Google. It's saying, I'm sure of this, so I'll put it because I'm sure. It's uh -huh. not for sure of this. Okay. So it's a question of confidence, and I, that, that's huge for me, is you have a question of understanding, i.e. Olga Zretzna, which I still can't say. Uh, okay. however, many times, however many times you repeat it to me, I'll probably still get it wrong. Um, it's recognized who you are, and it's recognized probably what you do, i.e. SEO consultant, but it's not confident. And like a child, it's showing what it, it, it knows is true. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is true, but it's not your primary job, but at least it knows it's not getting it wrong. And I think if you think about Google's uh, perspective, it's putting this up here as fact. The one thing it wants to do is make sure it's right. Okay. Josh so, has a question sorry. about your tool. Is that tool free to access? No, um, unfortunately not, but not that particular part because um, we integrate it into the CaliQ Pro platform. The CaliQ Pro platform, we use it for our um, clients. We do a done-for-you service and we, we focus on the description, the entity home, the cor corroboration in that order, and then we put the schema markup in place. And CaliQ Pro is also available to agencies so you can use it for your clients. Um, but what we initially did was let everybody use it and it turns out that it's more complicated than I had thought. And we ended up with a lot of people, well, a few people 
who were unhappy with the results. And when I looked at what they'd done, they'd used it incorrectly. So we've decided to close it, close it out because one of the problems we had was people were blaming the platform when in fact they were misusing the platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. So how many days it takes to create a knowledge panel? Now I'm going to have to say it depends. Um, sometimes That's the right answer. It is. It's a great answer, isn't it? Um, it's not helpful, but I'll, I'll make it more helpful now. If the entity, the person, the company, the podcast, the music album, the music group is at what I call the tipping point, Google's pretty much understood it. It's not 100% sure. And when you create a great description, distribute that description around the web, add your schema markup if you want to, to the entity home to point to them all. What you do is give Google that point of reconciliation, which is the entity home, and you will tip it over the point where it goes from being pretty sure to being super sure. So it can take literally days. If the entity home is already semi-identified in Google, all you're doing is tipping Google over the, over the, 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 the recognition point, as it were. And if you haven't got to that tipping point and you're building, let's say, from scratch, it will take about three months to generally get a, a sprout. Okay. which is the tiny little one that you saw where, where yeah. it doesn't appear on your brand SERP, but it, will, it, it does exist in Google's brain. So if, is my a sprout or it's not a sprout anymore? It's not a sprout because you've got people also search for, you've got okay. your social channels, you've That's had a nice. description, yeah. you're, you're well past the sprout stage. Right. You're a, a, a growing tomato plant, um, about right. knee high, let's say. Love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then the last point is coming back to Wikipedia Wikidata. If you've had a Wikipedia Wikidata disaster like I did, and they've been deleted and the knowledge panel has disappeared when they were deleted, it can well take you up to a year to get that knowledge panel back. Oh. So beware. It's like with SEO, everything takes a lot of time. So... Yeah, and I think that, that's huge. Pe- people need to remember that it, it takes time. SEO takes time. Google's understanding takes time. Crawling takes time. Indexing takes time. Y- you think, oh, it's immediate, but think about the size of the web. Think about the size of the index. And think as well with knowledge in particular and the knowledge panel is Google is very reticent about putting out information that turns out to be untrue because everybody jumps on its back when it makes a mistake. And you will yeah. get a big kind of loads of tweets and articles and reddits we we had that the other day um i don't know if you saw it jim carrey was being mixed up with yeah yeah i saw um, that yeah and people love to point at that and say google's getting it all wrong isn't it stupid and then you kind of say well but 99.999 percent it's getting it right yeah um and so Google's reticent because obviously it wants to satisfy its users it doesn't want to be made to look stupid because if it gets it wrong consistently, people will stop trusting it. And if people stop trusting it, people will stop using it and they will start to lose their market share, dominant though it is. Uh, So they need to be careful. Yeah. Okay, so here we have, I think, a bit similar question. How do I get a knowledge panel if my name and surname is nowhere on the internet? So... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to say, so how, how how do I get started? Like, there are no... Not nothing is because when I started, when I 
or created SEO Sly, I think there was like no mention or hardly no mention of my name and surname on the internet. So, right. Oh, oh. I think no mentions at all is unlikely. Um, mm -hmm. the, fact, the fact that you don't know about it is, yeah, right. is, is perhaps the point. And with CaliQ Pro, we, we, we've come up with some amazing insights. Uh, somebody mentioned my sister. And they mentioned uh -huh. her in the context of Liverpool 35 years ago. Oh. But they mentioned her in a tiny article on some tiny site, very specialized, and it, it popped up. And she didn't know anything about it. We, we found it, um, which is insightful in the sense you don't know what other people have said about you. So your name may well be out there. You just don't know it because you didn't put it there. And your name is probably out there on social media. But that being said, if your name is not out there at all or very little out there, then you're in a good situation in that you can build up that understanding. You can build a clean digital footprint if you do it systematically from the get-go. So mm -hmm. what you, I, I would imagine with you, Olga, what happened and the reason you got this lovely tomato plant knowledge panel <laughs> is that you started placing information in incredibly relevant places straight away. So the first, yeah. the first major mentions were on things like Search Engine Journal, on your own website, on, within the context. So we're looking at entity equivalency again. It was on websites that are incredibly relevant to you and your audience. That makes sense for Google. It's incredibly focused, so it can understand. So, Agazette, if you're going to get your name out there, do it systematically and start with your core topic, whatever that might be, and get yourself onto the websites that represent that. They don't have to be huge websites. They don't have to be the search engine journals of this world. I often use the, the Poodle Parlor of Paris example. If I'm a Poodle Parlor in Paris, the best place to get my company name mentioned is the Poodle Parlor of Paris Association. Uh -huh. It's not the New York Times. Okay. Because it's highly relevant both geographically and topically. Okay, okay. Thanks. Thanks for answering. Yet another question from Daniel. Where in GSC can I claim a knowledge panel sprout? I don't see that option. No, you don't see it in GSC. You see it when you can find the knowledge panel sprout. Uh-huh. Um, and you click on claim this knowledge panel. And then if it's recognized, the website that represents the entity, so you're very close to having the entity home recognized, it will allow you to claim that knowledge panel through Google Search Console. Okay. But importantly, not all knowledge panels are claimable. So you might be able to find your sprout, but it isn't claimable. And in that case, you just have to wait until it becomes claimable. So the reason it might or might not be claimable is quite varied, but the, the principal reason is that it's not in the main knowledge graph, that the knowledge panel is being generated or triggered by a different vertical knowledge graph, of which there are seven or eight. Oh, seven or eight. Yeah. Tell me uh, about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all in the course. I've got a whole yeah. lesson about this. Um, but it, that's one of the tricks with knowledge panels is to focus on the right vertical. If, you, if you've got a podcast, you po focus on the podcast vertical. If you've got a biz local business, you focus on the Google Maps vertical. If you're an author or a book, you focus on the Google Books vertical. Sounds obvious when I say it, but all of these different verticals trigger knowledge panels. It's not just the knowledge graph. Mm -hmm. So okay. Google has these multiple vertical knowledge uh -huh. graphs, each of which can trigger a knowledge panel. The ultimate aim is to merge all of these vertical knowledge graphs into the main knowledge graph, which is what Google is in the process of doing very slowly. 
So, for okay. example, your podcast's knowledge panel will not be claimable because it's part of the wrong vertical. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm <laughs> learning so much with you. Um, and your knowledge panel sprout uh, is most likely not going to be claimable because it's, get this, part of the web vertical index. So Google actually has a knowledge panel that's being dynamically created by the web index. <laughs> Take my money, Michelle. Okay, so you, can please you do come along for the soft launch. We're doing that can on you... the 12th of December. Sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to ask you to tell me and the audience more about your course. Oh, yeah. Can you put it up on screen? Yeah, I will, I'm uh, just going to do it. Our lovely visual that uh, Katrina and Marianne prepared. Uh, yeah. I've recorded it all. I know exactly what's in it. It's five hours of video, uh, which is huge. 22 lessons covering every single aspect of knowledge panel management, triggering them, maintaining them, building up confidence, which knowledge panel vertical, not sorry, which knowledge graph vertical to uh, focus on, how to build or how to add twigs to the branches and the trunk of the massive tree we talked about earlier on, um, how a knowledge panel is built. It's not information from the knowledge graph. The only piece of information that comes from the knowledge graph is the name and the KGM ID. The rest is web index stuff. So you can think of it as a whole collection of mini featured snippets. And if you approach oh. it from that perspective as an SEO, you can absolutely nail knowledge panels without any problem at all. It's a collection of mini feature snippets. Okay. And that's launching on the 12th of December. What we're doing is a soft launch where you get the video and audio, obviously, and you just get me speaking. So Dave Davis is going to take it, and he said he'll do oh. it while he's running. So he's going to put the, the earphones in and run and just listen because he's super smart. He knows his stuff. He doesn't need the slide deck behind me to understand what I'm talking about. So he's going to go through it uh, in an audio version only. And then we're going to add the slides and um, a quiz with uh, certification in January. And that's the, the main launch. So if you feel geeky, go for the soft launch. If you kind of think, ooh, that's going to be a bit scary, I'd rather have the slides with some visual stuff and some extra links to help me understand better all the topics around it, go for the, the, the full launch in January. Yeah, but I'm going definitely for, for, for it because <laughs> I feel that I have knowledge gaps in that area. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, th th there's a vast amount to learn. I mean, what, what I found really interesting is that I started recording it and by the end of it, I actually thought, I, I would pay for this course. And I wrote it because I learned so much as I went through. And it was sitting down and thinking, do I know this or do I think I know it? And if I realized that I only thought I knew it, I researched to figure it out. Yes, you do get full access later. That would be deeply unfair if we didn't let you do that. So, yeah, the soft launch, you can just watch the videos and listen to the audio while you're running like Dave Davis. And then in... January, you will get the slides, the extra resources that um, Jean Maria is working on, and the quiz that uh, Faith is working on, and the certification at the end. Yeah, yeah. so Jim and Michelle, I think it was, please yeah. do join the Knowledge Panel support group, the CaliCube support groups, search it on Google, join the group, you get first info on everything on all this stuff. Oh, I'm joining. Oh, and I share lots of, lots of geeky things that I find about Knowledge Panels on a totally random basis. Um, but oh. when I see something in interesting, I post it to the group because it's a good way to maintain and keep the information. Um, You're talking example, about Facebook group? 
Yeah, it's a Facebook. Facebook yeah. Group. Okay. So that's the one I'm in. Okay. Just just wanted yeah, to make sure. Um, and so, for example, when when we when we managed to replace the Google Books description with a, a the description from the author's website, I posted that because that's a huge win. When we managed to get uh, CaliCube autocorrect, when I misspelled CaliCube and it says, "Did you mean CaliCube?" because I wrote CaliCup, oh. CaliCube, and it said, "Did you mean CaliCube?" That spell check or that that autocorrect from Google is huge because it means it's recognised CaliCube as an entity. And oh. it recognizes that the probability is that if I've written CaliCube, I actually mean CaliCube. So it's brand recognition and entity recognition and entity understanding from Google. And that's huge. Sorry, off yeah. we go. Lukas has got a question. Yeah, I think we have kind of already answered this question. So can we have a knowledge panel without schema? And the it simple looks like is, yes. We do. You can yes. you can actually get the schema generated on CaliCube Pro for free. You just go to CaliCube.pro and look for the schema generator. But if you don't want to do that, as we explained earlier on, you the secret is a clear description, an entity home, which is the place the entity lives, which is a site owned by the entity. So you in this case, Lukash, and then you link out to the corroborative sources everything you would put in same as, uh, and then back again, and. You know, you've got to be patient. It probably takes a little bit longer if you don't use schema, but it's certainly doable and certainly, you know, uh, you don't need to be a geek to do this. It really is very simple. And Michelle, yeah, I agree 100%. It's a great group. I'm loving it too, so. Right. Yeah, no, and, and Michelle's saying it's, uh, we're sharing now. The, the logic behind that, and I hope I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'm going to look a complete fool is that everybody needs this. Everybody needs to manage their entity in Google's knowledge graph in its brain. Everybody needs to manage the knowledge panel. Every company, every book, every film, every music group, every album. So you're looking at 50 billion potential clients. So yeah. I figure I can give this out to everybody, and there must be 200 clients in there who, who want me to do it because they're too lazy or my team to do yeah. it. So the idea is to say, if I share the information, everybody gets to do it. Everyone can do it if they, if they have the time, they want to learn it and they're smart enough. If they don't have the time, they can ask us to do it or they can ask an agency to use CaliCube Pro to do it. Um, and if they get it wrong, because yeah. it's really easy to make a mess. And if you make a mess, it's really difficult to clean it up. So... From that perspective, there are going to be people who don't have the time, who don't want to invest the time to understand and to learn, but there are also going to be people who mess it up. And those are going to be the clients for CaliCube and the agencies who use the CaliCube Pro platform. Um, and hopefully, that's going to make a decent business over the next five or six years. Then yeah, I can I retire. So. Are you <laughs> going to? Probably not, no, but you know. Yeah, so talking about knowledge panels, I think you have a very nice checklist of uh, yes. what to do. Let me show it on the screen. So Yeah, yeah. We, we've got the, the knowledge panel checklist, educate search engines like you would teach a child. It's completely free. It's got the 17-point plan that we use on all our clients. Once again, we're not hiding anything. Um, and the idea, once again, is I think... One important thing 
from what we're, the work that we're doing is that when Google gets it wrong, it can get it spectacularly wrong, and there is no reason for us to let it get it wrong. And when people say, well, Google should figure this out for itself, they're delegating responsibility to Google that isn't actually necessarily Google's. The web is a mess. And my personal belief is it's our job as individuals and companies to clean up our little corner of the internet so Google can understand it better. But also Bing, Apple, Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, all of these yeah. machines are trying to build an understanding of the world. If you clean it up for one, you're cleaning it up for all of them. So, and, and from, a, from a personal branding or an online reputation management perspective, keep it clean. Keep your digital footprint clean. Keep it clear. These machines need to understand. But when they do understand, it also means that you're communicating incredibly clearly to all of your audience on all of these different platforms. Google is a curated... Uh, amalgam of what it sees online. So when you search your name or your company name, it will show you what it thinks the world thinks of you. And if it's a mess, mm. then your digital footprint's a mess. And if it's clean and neat and tidy and makes sense and describes you in the way you want, it means that you're describing yourself in the way that you intended to your audience across the web. Okay. So it looks like we still have a few minutes. So I'm going to use those minutes to ask my questions. Oh, right. Okay. Ooh. So local business knowledge panel, what, what it is, how does it different, differ? What are some of the things we should know about this? Like, tell me, tell me about it. If you're a local business, they're incredibly important, obviously. Um, but they're, they're designed for, um, so I've, there you go, I've found it. You can share my screen. They're designed yeah, yeah. for Google Maps. They're not designed to be knowledge panels. They're designed to be part of Google Maps. Uh -huh. So I mean, if I go to Maps here, it's designed for me to get, this is CaliCubes, to, to get to CaliCube, which is a few kilometers away. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is key. Uh, the... Uh, the directions, uh, center phone, I would want to use it on my phone. If you look at this, we're really looking at something which is very, very local. But Google puts it here as a pseudo knowledge panel or a knowledge panel of sorts. And what it's doing is putting the information it has that it's confident in. Because if you look down here at the bottom, we have a, oh, we had a sprout. It doesn't seem to want to show oh. today. Um, oh, one of the reasons that CaliCube doesn't have a wonderful knowledge panel is because We've messed it up so much experimenting. Um, whereas with myself, I've had time to, to repair all the experiments I did on okay. myself. Um, so we're building up CaliCubes. That'll be there in, a, I would say, probably a year. Um, so, and that gives you an idea of the realistic timeline you're looking at. So this actually looks more like a knowledge panel than it did before because you don't have the map here anymore. Mm -hmm. So what I think Google is now doing is moving this to have the map over here on the left-hand side. So this looks less like a terrible, small, local bricks and mortar business and more like a proper, you know, not, not a proper business, that's not a fair thing to say. Um, CaliCube is an international marketing agency. But with the map, if we look here, I'm going to switch back to where I was in London. That looks like a, a small bricks and mortar oh. local business. And then if we move here and go back to this, which is an experiment right now for Google, it's showing this. To, it looks like a, a, a more 
traditional knowledge panel, less like a local panel, and the local panel comes over here. And I think that's going to be huge in the years to come because it's moving this away from the Google Maps model. And so when it's local, it will show the map next to it so I can see that I can go there. But when it's not local, potentially it will just show this, which is okay. much closer to a knowledge panel. And one really important thing you'll notice, I mean, unfortunately, it hasn't worked here. Uh, perhaps it will work if I switch location. Switching locations changes a phenomenal number of things. Um, what extension are you doing? For the, are you using for that? Yes, locator. Okay. There you go. Bingo. That's my sprout. Oh. Now, here you go. The sprout only shows in America. Okay. So I change I change my location. I can find the sprout. That's one of the ways we find sprouts. So that's 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 how uh, the sprout looks. That that's a beautiful sprout. Yeah. <laughs> Next to your uh, knee high tomato plant, looking quite <laughs> foolish. Um, and this will go into a knowledge panel. But if you think about this, for the user, for Google's user, if, if they search CaliCube, this isn't actually very helpful as information. Yeah. There's just this little knowledge panel here. It doesn't make sense for Google to show that because it doesn't give them any additional information they can't find on this side. Whereas this has lots of additional information. So if I want the knowledge panel to replace the Google My Business panel, I need to make sure that it has enough information for it to be useful for the user in order to dominate this, which is already quite, quite rich. And the other thing to point out is that they coexist. You have both. This is the office. This is the physical location of the CaliCube office, and this is the company, and it's two distinct entities. Oh. So you need to manage both. You don't have the choice. Okay, so my next question would be what's like the, what's, what's the difference between a personal knowledge panel and a corporate corporation knowledge panel? Like... Um, well, a personal one is for a person. Yeah, a yeah, one is for a company. yeah. But from Sorry, the standpoint of you other. know, like more geeky stuff. <laughs> um, the, now, the, the so the difference is that for a company, because ambiguity is less problematic, because uh -huh. companies tend to have more unique names because of trademarks and because of um, local business yeah. organisations that don't allow repetition of names very often, you're going to have an easier time educating Google about the company. You also have Google My Business, which helps you because Google understands the location of the company, and you can therefore build on that understanding. For a person, you're starting from A, no initial understanding, and B, ambiguity in the sense that we, most of us share a name with multiple other people. The other huge difference, and if we come back here to... I mean, if I look at, uh, let, let's look at IBM. Sorry. Here you go. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, it's okay now. Here you have IBM, and it's a traditional right-hand rail knowledge panel, lots of information, looks pretty good. This is a major corporation. Um, and then if you search for me, you get these filter pills, uh, which are huge. This is oh. basically a mini website on Google. And yeah. if I click there, it shows all the songs. 
Oh. So this becomes a different vertical knowledge, uh, sorry, brand set. And what it's doing is for people, this is currently for people, films, uh, sometimes books. It's allowing me to research the entity on Google without visiting the website. So this is real on SERP SEO, and it's huge. And if I then click on Veronique, and then I click back on myself, it expands them because it knows oh. I'm researching. It's added additional information here. So what you see initially there is incomplete in terms of what it actually knows. And when you, this is what I call knowledge panel hopping. Okay. It adds the book, the organization, the music group. And here, basically, from my perspective, in the coming years, this is how people are going to research other people. This is then what's also going to happen for companies. So if you start preparing your company now, you can manage these different verticals um, wow. and create your mini website on Google. And you might think, oh, I don't want a mini website on Google. Fact is, you don't have the choice. Google will create it whether you want it or not. Your best option is to control it as best you can. Okay, so these red buttons, these are the verticals, right? Yeah, these are what I call brand SERP verticals. So we've got brand. knowledge graph verticals, which was the question earlier on. And these, these yeah. are basically vertical brand SERPs where here's just the information about the book. Here's just the information about my music group. Okay. And it, it's put the videos in because it knows it's about Buwan Kuala as a music group. And then if I click on here, there you go. The, the book's got them as well. The reviews. Oh. Where to get the book. This is shopping now. If this was a product, well, it is a product. I've got an overview of the product. I can watch videos that present the product, which I've created most of. I can oh. buy the product. These are ads, but then underneath yeah, it's where can I buy it nice. and get it from the Kindle store, for example. And oops, and then I can read reviews. So this is researching a product. And if you think about that, it's Google trying to wrest back control from Amazon by allowing us to research fully a product and click through, in this case, to Amazon, unfortunately, but to a, a, an option for buying it, potentially Barnes & Noble. There you go. I'll go away from Amazon, buy from Barnes & Noble. Um, Potentially, I could help Barnes & Noble get to the top if I have a partnership with Barnes & Noble. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So for a company, you would end up looking at overview, products, key people, reviews. That would seem fair enough. That would be a good start. Um, my bet is that that will happen, let's say, 12 months. Let's come back in a year's time and see if I was right. That we'll have these filter pills for companies too. Okay. Okay, so is there like a knowledge panel template, something that we can like, um, is there something like, like that on the internet or do we have like a template so what we can expect to appear here, there, like, is there such, such um, a thing? We haven't actually produced one yet. I mean, I suppose uh -huh. we could do the anatomy of a knowledge panel, which would be yeah. photo, logo, uh, description, social channels, uh, people also search for... Yeah, I would love that. Well, the, the problem would be that we would need to do it for each and every entity type mm -hmm. and each and every industry because the template is different. Yeah, Bill Slansky explained to me um, about the, the way they build these. What they have is human-built templates. Employees uh -huh. at Google will build a template for an entity type in a specific industry and potentially geo-region too. So once again, we're in the entity equivalence world. 
So okay. they will build it and they will say, for an American footballer in America, who is a person, here's the template, here's the information we would put. Okay. Then they will say, for a company in America that sells sporting goods, here's the information we would put. So they have these templates. And then those templates are what we're trying to identify at Kelly Q Pro. And obviously, we can't identify all of them and put them all out online. So what we then do is come back to the entity equivalence idea is our clients come to us and we find 100 equivalent entities. We put them in CaliCube and we build a template for them. So eventually, we will end up, if we okay. have thousands of clients, a template for each industry type, geo region, entity type combination. And you can imagine that's going to be thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. Yeah, Especially, right. as with people, we were talking earlier on about the fact that people have multiple facets. So what it will then do is mix the templates algorithmically. So it has the author template, the activist template, and the, I can't remember what the third oh. job, a speaker template. And it will say, well, I've got the three different templates. This person does all of these three different things. How do I mix this, these templates to create the unique template for that combination? So it's going to get super complicated, and it's super niche. As you saw with the geo, you move from one geo region to another, yeah. you move from one person to another. It, it changes, changes fundamentally. Yeah. So you need to focus. People think, often think, rather, that several things. One is schema markup is the magic bullet. It isn't. It's supporting evidence. Uh, number two is that this is quick. It isn't. It's like SEO, but slower. And the number three is one size fits all. Absolutely not. Completely the contrary. Uh, Google will dig down into each individual entity and create exactly the knowledge panel that corresponds to that entity. And no two entities are going to have the same knowledge panel. They probably do now, but over time, it's going to it's going to expand and vary. Oh, and I'll show you another. Um, sure. Hold on, let, let me find it first. Um, just, just, just to frighten everybody a little bit. Um, here we go. A case study we did. That here's a client of ours, a guy called Jason Hennessy. Uh -huh. And that doesn't mean that we only take clients called Jason, by the way. Um, just wanted to ask about this. <laughs> Sorry, I beat you to it. Um, this was a really interesting case study. That's why we wrote the case study about it. He had three knowledge panels. We merged them all. Uh -huh. That was one. That was another. Oh. And that was another. Google thought he was three different people. He came to us. We merged the three together. And as you can say, as you can see here, we're now saying now it can fully apply his EAT and his ICO has, has improved vastly. Um, and we go through here. That's the explanation of how we did it. Please do go and read this. Uh, he's got the filter pills, as you can see. And at the end, this is what we got. Uh, where's it gone? Oh. oh, hang on. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, here it is. And you can see this here. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty knowledge panel. And 70% of everything above the fold is his knowledge panel. The yeah. three photos, his website at the top there, those are what I'm calling knowledge panel cards. His LinkedIn is Twitter. The about, the description, his date of birth, his four social channels. The only information that isn't part of the knowledge panel is his website there, jasonnc.com, about, and LinkedIn on the left-hand side. So over time, 
for people, it's already like this in some locations. This is an experiment by Google. I would bet in a year's time it will be like this for anybody who Google has fully understood. And it's going to happen to companies too. So if the filter pills didn't scare you five minutes ago, that should. Okay. Okay, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. We will link this. We will link I, this I'm now sitting in this kind of semi-dark cellar thing. This is actually a nightclub. Uh, scaring people, telling scary stories <laughs> and horror stories about knowledge panel, uh, knowledge, sorry, uh, knowledge panel cards and filter pills and Wikipedia horror stories of having your Wikipedia page deleted. And I'm feeling terribly Halloween-esque now. <laughs> yeah, and I have like, I, I, I put a red, red t-shirt just like you so that I kind of am in the similar mood, <laughs> I would right. say. No, yeah, it, it's lovely having having the matching red shirts. And, yeah. uh, but you've got a, a much better microphone and super duper headphones. I'm terribly impressed. But you have better light, so I'm kind <laughs> of over. I have too much light from my screen, huge screen. So, <laughs> okay, Jason. So, yeah, again, I learned a ton. I think the audience learned a ton too. So, thank you so much. I hope yeah. we can do like a follow up in some time because I think the questions about that are never ending and I already have like a ton more in my oh, head. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I would love to. I mean, with the soft launch of the course, we're going to get people thinking about this, I hope, and we're going to get people starting to experiment, starting to see what happens. And in the Facebook group, we've already got a guy called Josh King Madrid um, and DC Glenn who do experiments. They're, they're, they're having a great oh. time. Um, and I, I love I love it when people share them. And, and um, Josh King did an amazing thing: is he took his confidence score in the knowledge graph from four to twenty four thousand. Oh! In about two months, using CaddyCube Pro, because he did the same thing that Jason Hennessy we did for Jason Hennessy. Uh -huh. He merged everything and brought it all together. So this fragmented understanding that Google had suddenly turned into one solid piece of understanding. He was at the ultimate tipping point of Google really not understanding his digital ecosystem. He joined it all together, made it into a neat package, gave it to Google, and Google went, right, I've gone from okay. a confidence score of four to a confidence score of 24,000. I have never seen that before, and I've probably wow. never seen it again. That's really impressive, yeah. So that's Jason Jason in action, I would say, your, the power of your knowledge. <laughs> yeah, but it's Josh King doing, doing better with CaliQ Pro than I was doing, so... And, and that's the beauty. That that's something I really am looking forward to is pe people doing hugely impressive things with CaliCube Pro. I built the machine, but Elisa, who's the team lead for the CaliCube Pro, she's uh -huh. doing stuff with it that that I can't do or I hadn't thought of. And it, it, it's hugely impressive and hugely exciting. Um, and I thought I might be a little bit jealous or envious of all these people doing this amazing work, but actually I'm just super pleased because they share it yeah. with me. Oh, and another guy, Keaton Stortz, he's doing amazing stuff. He can build a knowledge panel in a couple of months. He does it faster than, than I do. Oh. And that's wonderful. And he does it incredibly neatly because he's very, very, very rigorous in the way he works. And I'm much uh -huh. less rigorous. I keep doing experiments and getting it wrong. And um, But <laughs> I think kind of... The, the, the pe people taking this to the next level is, is what I'm really looking forward to. Sure. And I have some homework to do. So I hope the next time we catch my knowledge panel will be a bit, will look a bit better, will be like 
bigger. We'll see. Right. And the last thing I would say is really think about the timeline. Don't be impatient. Google needs to digest. It needs to A-B test. Your timeline for a knowledge panel, if you do the work correctly, is a year. And you won't be working every day on it. You won't even be working every week. After that initial spring clean at the beginning, it's about Google digesting, becoming confident, mm -hmm. building that confidence over time. So don't get impatient. Stick, stick to what it is you're doing and make sure that you're clear and consistent across the internet. The corroboration makes sense. And never, ever, ever forget the importance of your entity home. That's the single most powerful and important uh, aspect for managing your online entity identity in Google's brain, in Bing's brain, in Apple's brain, all of these machines. Okay. Okay. So, so thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see each other in the next live, I think. So, bye, everyone. Okay. Goodbye to oh. end the show. Thank you, Olga and everyone. So, bye, everyone. I won't sing. Bye-bye. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>